Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. And we, uh, we went, had a great time, and, and we go to leave, 
and there's a McDonald's right on the corner of the main road and, uh, and then the, the, the access road that takes you to the beach. There's a McDonald's right there. So we thought we would get some McDonald's on the, on the way out because it's about an hour and a half drive uh, back home. And so, uh, so we go into one side of the McDonald's and, and because we went in through that side, you have to kind of cut in on the drive-through side. So someone let us in. Someone was nice enough to, to let us in. And we get in line. And uh, it was a long line, so it took a minute to kind of get through it. But we get up to the, um, what's that thing called? The speaker. We get up to the speaker. <laughs> we get up to the speaker, and they ask us for our order. So, you know, obviously I roll down my window, and as I'm, I'm giving my order, I hear someone, like, mumbling. Like, what is that? And they were, like, they were, like cussing. I'm like, oh, what is that? I'm looking through my side view. I'm like, who is Like, it sounded so close. And so I was like, all right, whatever. I don't see anybody. I don't see anything going on. So I didn't worry about it. So, you know, we inch forward here and there as, as the line goes through. And I kept hearing that. I kept hearing someone mumble in the background. I'm like, where is that coming from? What is that? And uh, we get up to the window, and they take our money. And then uh, I, 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 was, I still keep hearing it. And I, I, I think I mentioned it to, to my wife, to Haley. I was like, hey, but I don't, someone's like angry or cussing or getting in an argument or something. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's, it's really weird. We get up to the next window and order our, or we get our food and we pull up a little bit because we always check our orders. You know, they, they be forgetting stuff all the time, right? And so we're checking through our, our order and we go to drive away and I hear this, you, blank, you, blank, 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 blank. I'm like, I know he ain't talking to me, right? Because <laughs> I know y'all think I'm like all holy and stuff, but like, uh, I, I, I turned around and it was the guy behind us. The guy behind us, for whatever reason, was mad. At me, I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe he thought I cut in front of him. I thought he let me in. But to this day, this was years ago. I do not know why this guy was so upset, and he's cussing me out. So like, Haley's like, just drive. I'm like, no, no. You gonna be that mad at me? We gonna find out what the problem is because I didn't do anything wrong. Now I wasn't gonna go out quiet him or anything like that. And I didn't, I didn't do anything out of character, you know, anything like that. But I wanted to know what the guy's problem was. So I stuck my head out the window. I said, what's your freaking problem, bro? <laughs> and he says, you are. You blah, 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 blah. I said, man, I got pretty hot, y'all. I ain't going to lie. I, you know, it's okay to get angry, right? Jesus said, do not sin in your anger. We learned that last week, right? But, uh, but he was like, just go. We got the kids in the car. Just just go. Just go. I'm like, man, I want to know why this fool is so upset with me right now. Like, there is no reason for all that nonsense. He took off. He didn't stick around. He just wanted to get his two cents in, I guess. But I had no idea. I wanted to at least know if I did something wrong. Like, I want to correct it. I want to make things right. But he didn't give us a chance to do that. And it was probably best because I was pretty hot. In fact, it bothered me the entire way home. And we kept looking at me. She's like, you're still thinking about it, are you? I'm like, yeah. I kept playing it over in my head. I was getting mad. Getting hot all over again. And so, um, so there's, there's people all around us. And as long as there's people all around us, there's going to be conflict, right? There's going to be offense. There's going to be issues. In a world today, it seems like everyone is offended about everything, especially in this digital age that we live in. People get real brave behind a computer screen and a, and a phone, right? People will say whatever they want because they feel like, there's no face-to-face interaction, so they can say whatever, whatever they want. As long as there's people with different backgrounds, experiences, values, and opinions, there, there's going to be conflict. <clears throat> what we have to do is we have to learn to celebrate our differences. We have to learn to celebrate our differences and learn how to work together. But far too often, people allow their differences to put a fence up, to put a barrier in between them and other people, between them and some really close 
relationships in their life, sometimes even between them and God. So what I want to do today in this third part of our series is I want us to learn how to work through conflict. Because we have to learn to love people even in the midst of conflict. Because we've established that there's going to be conflict at some point in your life. As long as you're working with people and around people, there's going to be tensions and conflicts at some time. So how do we do that? Because if we're not careful, if we hold on to stuff, it can cause even more issues. If we don't deal with that, if we don't reconcile with people, it can cause many issues. If we're going to love well and live well, we have to learn how to handle conflict in relationships. So we're going to look at two passages today in the Bible. So go ahead, open up to Matthew chapter 5. Verses 22 through 26. Matthew chapter 5, verses 22 through 26. And hold that place in your Bible. Put your finger there. If you have it on an app, this is where the app isn't as easily to use because you can't hold your finger there. Um, so, it's good to have the, the paper copy. Go to the Matthew. And then we're, um, we're going to first look at James. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. James chapter 4. Verses 1 through 3. In James, we're going to look at what's the issue. Why? James says, why is there conflict among you? Why is there quarreling? Why is there fight among you? So we're going to look at what the issue is. And then in Matthew, we're going to look at, all right, what do we need to do to resolve it? What do we need to do to, to work through it? We're going to look at some words that Jesus has uh, for us today. Now, as you're opening up to, to those passages in James, what we need to understand about James is that he knows a little bit about conflict. He's the half-brother of Jesus. He saw Jesus go through all kinds of stuff. He saw Jesus accused. He saw Jesus uh, mocked, beaten, and killed for no reason. There was constant conflict around Jesus and who he claimed to be. There were people constantly trying to, to catch him doing something wrong. There were constantly people trying to accuse him. James understood conflict. Not to mention now the church, that the early church that he is in and he is leading uh, and speaking to, there's conflict all around. And many of them have spread out. Uh, because of the persecution of people that follow Jesus. So he understands something about conflict. So now that, that, that you read into this text, you'll understand his perspective just a little bit. So here James uh, chapter 4, we're going to read in verses 1 through 3. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your word. God, it teaches us so much. I pray that we get a hold of your word. We would use it, God, that we would understand that, that that's, this is life. This is our life for God. This is how we live this life according to your plan and your will. So, God, may we not only just seek to read it, but understand it so that we can use it in our lives. So that we can have great, healthy relationships with others and great, healthy relationship with you. So that we can love well and live well. In Jesus' name, amen. My first point for you today is this, and we talked about this on Wednesday night. If you don't come uh, on Wednesday night, I want to encourage you to come because we have some great uh, discussion time. And, and if you have kids, there's stuff for kids going on. We have great classes for our kids. And, and Wednesday nights are just a lot of fun. And we have food before. So at least if, if we don't get you with the Bible study, maybe at least food 
uh, we can get you, and it's free, uh, only donation. So, so come on Wednesday night, it's a great time. But we talked a little bit about this on Wednesday night, and, and my first point for you is this. Put down the magnifying glass and pick up a mirror. Put down the magnifying glass and pick up a mirror. What does he say at the beginning? He's not pointing the, the finger at anybody. This particular group's done this, or, or this person is this way because they, they grew up without a father. And not that I'm discrediting that, but, but, but so many times we put the blame on other people, right? We, we, we tend to look at other people and what's going on in their lives. Well, well see, what happened was if so-and-so did this, you know, my kids do that. They, they never take the blame for themselves. They're, you know, my, my son and daughter will get in a fight and, and we'll... We pretty much know it's pretty much our son that's initiating things, but, but we have to ask anyway, and we're like, what's going on? Well, she hit me first, <laughs> right? We're always pointing the finger at someone else, and hopefully we're, we're, we're pointing the finger, not giving the finger, because that would definitely create uh, some conflict in people's lives if we did that. But James says, where does it start? Doesn't it start with the desires that are within yourself? So we have to learn how to pick up the mirror. Again, apart from God, we'll just default to, to ourselves. We've, we've been talking about that these past couple of weeks. See, so we have an issue, right? We have a, this issue with sin. We're all sinners in need of a Savior, right? We have this, this sin nature, this propensity, or this strong urge, this strong draw to sin in our own selfishness. But when we give our lives to Christ, there should be a draw now towards Him, and away from that sin, away from ourselves, and away from, from all those things. That's called repentance. And, and see, there's not a lot being taught on, on repentance. With, and that's absolutely crucial because we're trying to crucify ourselves, our flesh, so that we can give in to God and what He wants for our life. So, so before there's conflict with others, there's conflict in us. We don't like to talk about that too often, no, do we? You know, Wait, hold on, brother. I came in to get a nice, fluffy message. Now you point the finger at, at me. Yes, it, it, all of us. I'm pointing the finger at me, too. He goes on to say in the next verse, you want something, but you don't get it. You want something, but you don't get it. Unmet and unexpressed expectations are the breeding grounds for conflict and offense. We have this own idea in our head and in our heart about how things are supposed to go. And then when they don't go that way, we get upset, right? You may have expectations for other people, but you never express that. It's never been communicated. And then before you know it, you've created an offense into a fence without even knowing it. Years ago, I, I, you know, I worked at, um, at Southern Hospitality right here in town. Uh, right after high school, I, I worked there. And, uh, and I remember just I, I would just go in in the morning sometimes in a bad mood. And I would, I would help open the store, so I, I swept the store a lot. So... It took a while uh, to sweep the, the store. So I'm sweeping. I was just creating all these scenarios in my head. Like, if, if the boss came up and said something to me, what I would reply back to him. Like, like who thinks like that, right? But I would create these scenarios in my head of how that conversation would go. And before I knew it, I would get even more upset and even more of a bad mood on something that is hypothetical, right? And I'm playing all this stuff out. In my head, I created something that, that really isn't there. Unmet and unexpect, ex, unexpressed expectations are a breeding ground for conflict and events. You, you want something, but you don't get it. Maybe you don't get the attention that you, you felt like you should have or deserve. Maybe you don't get the affirmation that, that you feel like 
that you deserve. Maybe your love language. We talked about love languages last week and in, in our Wednesday night class we talked about it as well. But, but maybe your love language isn't being, isn't being spoken. You didn't get what you thought you deserved. You didn't get that thank you. You didn't get the pat on the back, the high five, the good job, buddy. Hey, attaboy. You know, you, you, didn't get, you didn't get what you thought you deserved. Maybe you didn't get that raise that you thought you deserved. Been working at the same job for 11 years. Never called in. Always on time. Always get your work done. You don't complain about it. But over those those years, it's been building up, building up, building up. Next thing you know, on your lunch break, you're complaining to your other coworkers. Man, our boss is such a jerk. This company, they're greedy. They're only about their money. They don't care about us. And before you know it, you've created a coup in the workforce, in your workplace, based on all these these things. You see how easily that, that can get out of control. You want something, but you don't get it. He says there in, in verse 2 that you kill and you covet. You kill and you covet. That nothing's happened just yet. This is all stuff that you created in your head and your heart based on those unmet expectations that you kill and you covet, right? We, we, we've done this before. Um, why didn't they text me back? I texted them like five times in the past ten minutes. Why did they text me back? I left like three voicemails. What are they doing? What about me? Right? So often we, we turn our, our crisis into someone else's emergency, right? We're like blowing someone's phone up. Where are they at? Where are they at? Where are they at? Well, maybe they're busy. Maybe they're doing something. And they just don't have time to text you back and call you back, right? Or, or, or this may happen sometimes. I know we've all seen this. Someone, you, someone texts you something, or maybe you, you see a post on, on social media, and it's like, well, what do they mean by that? Right? What do they mean by that text? Because, see, when it comes to that sort of communication, we don't, we don't hear the tones of voice, facial expressions, body language. We miss out on those things in that type of communication. And next thing we know, again, we're creating scenarios that really aren't there. It's just, it's just a text. It's just a post. It didn't mean anything by it. You're just playing into it a little too much. I've done that before. I've, I've gone to text somebody something. I'm like, yeah, that can sound funny, and, and I'll, I'll just change it. But we miss out on that type of communication when we do that. If we aren't careful, an offense, become a fence, become a wall, become a barrier in between us and others. Listen here. To live offended as a Christian is to deny the very nature of what we believe. Let me say that again. To, to live offended as a Christian is to deny the very nature of what we believe. We have to put down the magnifying glass and pick up the mirror. Look in yourself. James goes on to say, what's your motive? He talks about your motives uh, are wrong. He says in verse, uh, the end of verse 2 and end of verse 3, he says, you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures in everything, whether it's Dealings with people, conversations, the things that we do in everything, our desire should be to honor Christ, and then everything else will follow. To see first the kingdom of God, right? That, 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 that's our first thing that we should be trying to do. And everything that we say and do, we should be seeking to honor. That, that, that's what we've been talking about this whole series, is putting God first, putting Him at the center of our lives. He'll take care of your needs. We don't have to look for others to, to take care of those needs, because... We're seeking Him first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That's first. And then He says from there it'll flow into loving your neighbors as yourself. You guys follow along. 
first so that we can love well and live well. Verse 7, he goes on to say, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So, so, so we submit to God first. We put him first. And then he says, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. See, there's a conflict in us, but there's also a conflict around us. There's something we haven't considered yet. There's something that we haven't talked about yet. And that's my second point for you today is this. There is conflict that is unseen. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is an enemy of your soul, and he is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy you. That is his plan. That is his strategy. The devil wants you out. He doesn't like you. He hates you. He is jealous that you um, have now this opportunity to have a relationship with God. And his agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy. There's something that you don't see. The words fight, quarrel, and battle that are used in James, uh, those words that are used in other places of the Bible oftentimes are in reference to war and bloodshed. There is a very real spiritual war that's going on around us that we don't, we don't see. There's a battle for your life. There's a battle for your soul. There's a war inside of you between the flesh and the spirit of God. That's what Paul talks about, right? He says, I, you know, I have this conflict between my flesh. I, I do what I don't want to do, and, 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 and it's contrary to what the spirit wants to do. So there's this battle going on between your flesh and the spirit, and there's also this spiritual war. There's a battle between flesh and spirit, and a spiritual war. Flesh, spirit, spiritual war. Spirit, spiritual war. So, so maybe, maybe instead of getting up in people's faces, maybe instead of getting all up in our feels and our emotions, maybe we need to get into the presence of God on our knees in prayer, seeking after Him, instead of fighting a battle that, that we can't even see in the physical. Instead of about blaming other people, instead of getting in people's faces and pointing the maybe we just need to get on our hands and knees and pray through some things. Maybe we're fighting the wrong way. And it's a battle that's not even ours to fight. We're doing it all wrong. The enemy has a strategy, do you? Do you have a strategy? The enemy has a strategy against you. Do you have a strategy? You have a war room where you do battle and you pray. You have a, a quiet place, a secret place, a, a prayer closet, whatever you want to call it. They call it all kinds of different things today. But you have a place where you just get into the presence of God. Or is church or is your relationship with God just something else on your, your list of things to do? So many times church becomes that for us. It's just another thing on our list of things to do. That's why it's so easy for people to come one week and not come the next week. It's not a priority anymore. This is how we fight this thing. This is how we work through this life and through our relationship. This is how we love well and live well. Are you putting on your armor? Putting on the armor of God. I love, I love, I love the armor of God because it all covers up the front, right? You put the helmet on, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, you got your sword, you got your feet shot with the gospel of peace, and it all covers up the front. That's because we were never meant to run and defeat. It doesn't say anything about covering up the backside. It's because we're meant to, to push this thing forward and we pray through stuff. You're with me today. Come on, y'all. Y'all got it. If y'all, I'm telling you, if you'll shout back at me, I'll preach better. I promise you. <laughs> Enemy has a strategy for you. To love well is to live well. 
And we can do that even in conflict. Many of us run from conflict. Many of us don't like to deal with, with conflict. We don't want to approach people when we know there might be a, a, an issue. But we can. We can love well and live well even in conflict. So what do we do? Go to Matthew if you have that verse ready to go. My last point for you is this, and we're going to go on to Matthew. Resolve conflict now or pay for it later. Resolve conflict now or pay for it later. Let's see. Let, let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. Jesus uh, is teaching here. He had, this is part of his uh, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has, uh, has been teaching, and, and he's going through this Sermon on the Mount. And he, he's, he's talking about Christian living because he's got a group of people that have now gathered uh, around him. He goes up on this mountain to begin to speak to them. And he's talking about this. This is how you live your life for God now. And, and, and so he's talking about several different things in and around this particular passage. But in chapter 5, verses 21 through 26, he says this. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. In, in other words, listen, there's a place where it starts. It's a slow fade, right? When we, when we give in to, to sin and we give in to things, it's a slow fade. So, so no one's going to wake up one day and just you know, decide to murder people. It's a slow fade. It's something that builds over time. And it starts with this thing called anger, right? And so that's what he's talking about here in verse 21. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and then remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly. Look at someone and say quickly. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get God, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So let's walk through this together just a little bit. Now, Jesus isn't talking about justified anger, but he's talking about act of, of judging out of anger. And the premise of this um, particular passage is to deal with conflict and resolve it, resolve it quickly, or, or this issue can destroy you. It, he goes on to talk about it, 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 it uh, you being um, subject to hellfire. Now, I, I believe he means that in a literal sense, because if you hold on to an offense or you hold on to unforgiveness, uh, I believe that that is possible. But I believe it also is a figurative sense in that if you hold on to that stuff, that it will put you through a living hell in your life. Because if you don't reconcile and take care of conflict right away, you'll pay for it later. You, you, you'll put up a, a fence again. An offense is a fence. You, you'll put up this wall between you and people. Not just you and people, but between you and God. What does he say? He says if you go up to the altar to bring an offering and you have an issue with someone, you, you need to put that down. Don't even bring it to God. Right? Because there's, there's this wall between you and him as well. It's just as much spiritual as it is. And it's, it's pure uh, physical. One minute, it's just going around words, right? It, it go, Jesus goes from zero to hundred, like really quick here. One minute, it's just like you, you're throwing around words, like raka and you fool. Like I, I looked into that. I've always been curious about what that meant. Um, raka is an Aramaic term of uh, 
resentment. It, it's a deep-seated hatred for someone. And, and, and we may not think much of like calling someone, you fool, but I, I interpret that as that's probably like some strong like cuss words like the guy at McDonald's for me. Uh, that, that, that they're, they're calling each other all kinds of words here in this one minute. But then the next minute, they're getting carried off to, to, to court. And then the next minute, getting carried off to jail. Do you see how quickly this escalates, right? Jesus goes from zero to 100 real quick because he's trying to tell us, listen, if you don't take care of this matter quickly, if you don't resolve it, you're going to pay for it. It's going to become a real issue, a real problem. Unsettled conflict and offenses will chain you up. It'll bind you up. It'll put you in prison and send you through a living hell. You'll be remembered for two things in this life, by the problems you create and by the problems you solve. Which one's it going to be? You'll be remembered in life by two things. The problems you create and the problems you solve. Which one is that going to be? Jesus said to go and reconcile and settle matters quickly. Doesn't matter who's right, doesn't matter who's wrong. Much more important than being right or being wrong is someone being loved. Again, that, that, that's our goal. That should be our motive. That should be our mission. We're, we're trying to love people even through issues and conflict, and we can't do that in and of ourselves. We, we need God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need His power to help us do that because we won't do it on our own, right? We need. His help. So go and settle those things quickly because we can love through conflict. We have to look for the best in people. Sometimes that's hard. I know that's easier said than done because sometimes people don't put on their best, right? But we have to look for the best in people even in the middle of issues and conflict and, and events. We have to learn to look past their problems and see their potential. See who God wants them to be. And we have to call that out of them. Worship team, you guys can come on up and get place. We're going to love well, but we have to live well, even through conflict. Here's some practical steps for you. Just as, as you walk through conflict and issues, it, it may even happen this week. I hope it doesn't. I pray against that. But, but chances are you may walk through some conflict at some point. And these are some practical steps to help you walk do that. Now, you know, I don't expect you to write them on your hand, you know, like you did in middle school to, to type a cheat sheet when you cheated on the test, right? But but at least you hear it and maybe, maybe you remember some of the things. But first and foremost, we have to learn to define the problem and stick to the issue. Essentially, we have to learn to fight fair, okay? Because it's so easy to get in a heated discussion or, or get in the middle of conflict and we start throwing off out the past and what happened in the past and... and it's so easy to get off the topic and the issue at hand, right? So it's easy to, to, to get involved in, in, in what used to, to be or what happened and get lost in angry words and past hurts and, and all those sorts of things. It's easy to get caught in our emotions. We must love people through conflict or we'll pay the price later. The next is pursue purity of heart. Matthew 7, 5 says, take the log out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Again, this is the, the magnifying glass in the mirror thing that we talked about earlier. Before approaching others regarding their faults and shortcomings, pray about it first. Imagine that. Prayerfully face up to your own. Confess any way you might have contributed to the problem. It, it, it's a, it's a two-way thing, right? It's not just you involved in the situation or them. It, you know, confess up anything that maybe you've contributed in the issue. Next is plan a time for discussion. Plan a time to meet when both people are, are rested and, and likely to respond in love 
Maybe the, the tensions just need to cool down a little bit or whatever it might be. Um, when you're tired, stressed, and distracted with other things, um, things rarely go well. Next, affirm the relationship. Uh, affirm the relationship before clearly defining the problem. For instance, our relationship is important to me, but when you don't return my calls, I feel rejected and unimportant. Avoid blaming the other person and saying things like, hey, you, you make me feel stupid when you say I'm stupid. Okay? <laughs> Avoid that, that way of saying it, but instead say, when you do this, I feel this. It's just another way to spin it and to put it that you're affirming the relationship. You're not just going in all hot-headed and accusing people of stuff. By applying these tips and, and tools for resolving conflict to your relationships, you can turn obstacles into opportunities to demonstrate the love and power of the gospel. Again, we should be seeking to honor Christ in everything that we say and do, including in the middle of conflict. Matthew 5, 9. In the beginning of this Sermon on the Mountain, and Jesus is teaching, he goes through the Beatitudes. And he says in one of them, blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called sons of God. People are really good at getting things going, and getting conflict going, and getting tempers going, and getting people upset. But where are the peacemakers? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. The next thing is listen carefully. Once you share your feelings, listen to the other person's perspective. Listen is so important. So many times we want to get our two cents in. You did this and blah, 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 blah. We're not so willing to sit and listen to their side of the story or to understand what they may be going through. And so we have to learn to listen carefully. Lean in. Be present. Part of that is not just using your ears but your body language. Like you can tell if you're listening or not. Like you're kind of like... You know, you're off in space somewhere. You're clearly not listening. So, so be present. And then once they've given their perspective, once they've shared uh, how they're feeling, what they're going through, re repeat back to them so that there's clarity. So in other words, hey, I heard you say that you feel this expectation from me. Is that correct? And, and let them know that you're listening through it all. And then, and then one big thing is forgive. Jesus forgave us of our offenses and all our issues, and we have to learn to do that for others as well. Forgiving others as Christ is forgiving you. Forgiveness is an event and a process. Making forgiveness concrete with four promises. I promise that I'm not going to bring this thing back up and use it against you. I promise I'm not going to dwell on this in my heart and in my mind. I'm not going to talk to other people about it. I'm not going to let it stand between us and hinder our relationship. Propose a solution is the last one. Remember that relationship is more important than the issue. People are more important than the issue. When we work towards a solution, consider Philippians 2, 4 through 5. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also in the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ. Again, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. We all want forgiveness. We all want a fair share, a fair whatever. We all want grace and mercy too, so we have to learn to be able to give that as well. Seek solutions that keep everyone's best interests in mind. Love well. Live well, even through conflict. And don't build fences of offense. Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. If you'd like more info about our church, if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry here at Transforming Life, go to www.tlchurchpc.com.
www.thepastorsmeeting.com. If you haven't been to our church yet, we would love to meet you. Come by for a life-changing experience. God bless.